Hello and welcome to my podcast, Breadcrumbs. This is your host, Ashley, aka Ash Kitten. And as you noticed, I have a little bit of an intro now. Um, I'm gonna like incorporate more things into my podcast, um, polish it up a little bit. Um, so bear with me while I'm, you know, experimenting with little things here and there. Um, I just want to make it for easy listening and enjoyable for my um, listeners. And um, I want something that I'm proud of. I want to put it out there. You know, I want something that I can be proud of. So, um, yeah. As you know, we are on part eight of our interviewing ourselves. Um, this is going to be the final one. Like, there's not going to be a nine or a ten or whatever. Like, if we don't get through these questions, then we're just not going to get through the questions, all of them. Um, I apologize because I did say, and I'm usually true to my word on everything, but I just don't want you guys to get bored. It's just questions after questions after questions. Um, there comes a time when, like, okay, I've answered a lot of questions about myself. What's the next step? in learning about myself and growing. Um, You never want to hit a plateau where you're just staying at the same level. And I feel like we're plateauing with all these questions. Like, I feel that way anyway about myself. If you feel the need to keep asking yourself questions and interviewing yourself and getting to know yourself better, that is fine by me. Um, You do you. That's important. That's the most important thing is you really know what your limit is. My limit of questions is this podcast and then I'm done. Um, so <laughs> the question that was um, next, I think, was um, among my friends and family, what am I most famous for? And... Um, I'm going to say that it's for my writing because most of my family um, knows that I write and they always have, if they have something that they need to do like writing or even like also making flyers or any kind of design work, then they're like, hey Ashley, yeah, we need you to do this. Um, That and fixing computers because like anytime, especially around the holidays because I'm always visiting family and friends and stuff. I'm like, hey, I'm going to see you for like Christmas or Thanksgiving. And then I show up and they put a computer in my hand. Fix it, please. We don't know what to do. And I'm like, oh, okay. So I'm famous for that or with my friends and family um, for fixing computers because I always fix it. Phones, computers, um, technology in general. Or if something's not working, they're like, Ashley, can you take a look at it? Wi-Fi is not working. So it's I'm the techie person in the family. Um, and then, of course, like, they need something written. Then they know that, you know, I'm the person that is able to do it. Um, and then, like, um, um... Like, my design work, if they need a flyer, even if it's small, like, a lost dog, they're still like, Ashley, can you make a lost dog flyer for me? Or anything, really. Any kind of design work. Um, My sister had a big birthday um, a couple years back, whatever, and she wanted me to make a flyer for her. Um, And my, uh, one of my closest friends um, has an important job where she is like head of a committee 
and she has to constantly plan events and stuff so with that I help her and I make the flyers a lot of the time although I've taught her some you know little tips and tricks on how to make them herself um, like easy ways to do some really look, things that look complicated but they're not Okay, so on to the next question. Um, the next question is, what is the biggest lesson you never learned? Um, well, I haven't learned how to not procrastinate. And I haven't learned time management skills correctly anyway. Um, I'm working on it. So those are the biggest lessons that I haven't learned and I need to learn. Um, what is the most immature thing that you do? Listen, okay, I'm a big kid. I love anything that children love. I love jumpy houses. I love making pillow forts. I love fart machines. I I love whoopee cushions. I love stuffed animals. I love playing dress up. I love, like, I'm a kid every day. I dress up with the kids. Like, we play games, like... Like, I'm a kid. They think, they kind of think of me as a kid a lot of the time because I just play with them as a kid. It's so fun, though, just, like, letting go of adulting and just being a kid. And I think more of us should do that because it just, it puts everything into perspective, you know? Um, My daughter all the time is, like, you know, just happy and giggling and laughing and it makes me happy to see that and I think it's because I can laugh and giggle and play with her on her level and um, just not so serious all the time like some adults are Um, so the most immature thing I've ever done um, I think I'm going to go with going to the store like I think it was Walmart or something with my kids and playing with the fart machine but doing it where like walking by someone and then pressing the button and then watching their reaction and my kids are just like laughing their butts off they did it too like we all alternated the fart machines but like they're just laughing so hard and um and I'm just looking around like what who did that like it wasn't me and they just like they just were laughing so hard it kind of gave it away But, um, that's the most immature thing that I've ever done. Alright, and as you guys can see, I'm splitting these up into segments now. Each question is a different segment. I don't know how I'm going to split up all the segments in the future, but I'd like to do that so that way if, like, you have a certain question you want to get to boom, you can just move to that segment, or you don't want to listen to all the questions with some interest to you, or whatever. Uh, I should have done that the whole entire time, but like I said, I'm just, like, um, experimenting and doing different things, because I want to make it a better listening experience for you guys, um, and that's really important to me. Um, so the next question is, um, that I lost where I was at. So you just gotta give me like 10 seconds to find myself. Not really find myself, but find where I was at. Um, 
I think that um, the next one is, yes. If your life was a book, what would its title be? Um, I'm writing a book, several books actually. Um, the autobiography of my life is actually going to be called, um, <laughs> it's going to be called Textures. Um, it has like a lot of different meanings. It is just that there's so many different like things in life that can be um, relatable to different textures, like the way life comes at you, like rough or soft or you know like bumpy. But like knowing that all those textures um, have formed you, um, you're like this piece of clay, and all these textures have added to your design. If that makes any sense. So, like, th that's what my book, my autobiography is going to be called. I don't know if it makes sense to y'all, but that that's my answer. So. So, um, on to the next question. And it is, what's the best and worst thing about getting older? I'm going to say the best thing about getting older is all the memories that you've accumulated over the period of time as you get older um, with the people that you love, all the relationships, you're in deeper relationships with all those people, obviously, because time has passed and you've uh, continued building those relationships. Um, as you get older, um, you realize things, the things that are most important um, it just becomes clearer to you. I've seen like a lot of older people realize like family is the most important thing but when they were younger they were just like workaholics and they didn't really pay attention too much to their fam and then like later on in life they're like obviously they you know their eyes are a lot clearer. Um, and I think uh, the knowledge as you get older like you've gained a lot of knowledge not just experience experiences you know pretty amazing but also the knowledge that you've um, gathered as you've gotten older um, and that you can share with other people and that you get the respect of being older and people um, you know consider you wise now the worst thing, I'm going to say the worst thing is that your body just starts deteriorating at a certain point and you're just like worried about your liver or your heart or your cholesterol or your legs or circulation. Like there's, it just seems like your body stops cooperating with you and even sometimes your mind and your memory and things like that. So like even though you've built all these memories, a lot of them you start forgetting. So that is part that sucks about getting old but there's some good parts and one of them is that you reach as a human you've like reached that level and if you think of it like in a video game like you're at xp level um 85 you know like that's how you kind of want to think of it um your experience has gotten you to that point and you didn't die you survived that long so a lot of people like 
don't think getting old is a great thing. Like, they're like, oh, I don't want to get old. I wish I could stay young forever. But, like, you made it that far. Like, you don't want to die young. I don't want to die young. And there's nothing that can keep you young forever. So, like, I want to get old. I want to experience all of a real human life and not, um, you know, fake it out when doctors come out with, you know, the eternal youth serum or whatever, or all these things that, you know, people are chasing after, uh, looking young forever, looking young till they die. I don't want that. I want to experience every bit of humanity that I can, because, um, it's just, I don't know, like, to me, that's important, important experience of, um, my time here on earth, so... that happened or something that someone said that changed how you view the world um two things two major important life-changing moments in my life which I've like talked a little bit about in some of the other um podcasts um but one of them is when I flatlined on a table uh, in the hospital and they used defibrillators to get me back and uh, CPR it was defibrillators that worked but I was one minute away from time of death they would have pronounced that time of death had I been flatlined for one minute longer so um after finding all that out and coming to and you know like um realizing that I was on death's door and then also when it came to um I had told them about my out-of-body experience because I had one and um how I know is because not only did I tell them what they were saying um, as they were like you know, using defibrillators, like I saw them like pumping my chest and they were like pounding on it. Like it wasn't like you see in the movies where there's like one, two. They had their whole entire body, or the doctor um, had his into- whole entire body on top of mine, um, literally just like punching into my chest. Like, that's how um, he was giving me CPR. I don't know if that's normal, but when I woke, I had bruises and everything um, there, but they were literally, like, pounding into my chest. And I told them what I physically saw and from what vantage point I saw it, and they were like, um, that's that's impossible that you know this stuff because also I told them what they were talking about um and what they were saying about my condition like using doctor terms that I would never know and um and then like everything that I saw and the reactions of people as they were doing it and um what people were doing like I have a clear memory of that and um they were like that's impossible we were literally you were flatlined like you had no activity dead almost um so I was like dead and brought back so when I finally did come to and um gathered myself because like for a little while I was just kind of like in a zone where I like reality wasn't real like I was it was like I was floating everywhere I went um and that has to do with you know everything that happened um but it was just like realizing like I was that close to death like I literally died and came back um as close as you can to dying and the fact that I exited my actual body 
tells me that I probably, like, was dead, but I got brought back somehow, so, um, and I believe it's because, um, I haven't fulfilled my purpose, and, um, God has given me another chance, and I had a new lease on life, I changed my point of view completely, I changed, um, the kind of friends that I hung around completely, um, and I, I wasn't, though, at that time, committed to a spiritual relationship with God, I wasn't, um, at that point, I was like, okay, so yeah, I know that the afterlife exists because I just left my body, so like, there's something after death, um, obviously, but I didn't know what it was, but I just started like looking into all these different possibilities, and I didn't know what to believe, um, my family was like, what's wrong with you, you were raised Christian, and I'm like, well, I just, I, I haven't bought into it yet. And I was just researching and researching and researching. And the more research that I did, the more I was just right back to Christianity. Like, okay, maybe this is the right thing for me or the right thing to believe. And um, and then the second um, thing that changed my life was when I had a God experience and then I was like, I know to the core of my being, to the very um, depths of my soul, that he's real. And also, not just that he's real, but that he's tangible. And that I can talk to him and he relates, like he talks to me and he's involved in my daily life and um, he comforts me when I need comforting and he's just like that father that's always there and I didn't have that he's like dad I never had because my dad wasn't there all the time I don't want to talk bad about my dad though I love my dad but I just didn't have that in my father so like he replaced all those things he didn't have and it filled a hole a god-shaped hole that's what a lot of people say it's like you have a god-shaped hole and then god and god is the only one that can fill it and it's true um, once I was able to, like, actually start having a real relationship with my creator and communicate with my creator and the creator of the universe, that changed my perspective on life and that changed my uh, viewpoints as well. Alright, the next question is, what are you most likely very wrong about? Well, that's a terrible question. Um, why would anyone believe something that they think that they're probably wrong about? I mean, I'm not saying that I'm never wrong, but if I thought there was a high probability that I was wrong about something, then I would change my opinion because if I believed there was a high probability that I was wrong, I wouldn't want to believe something that is most likely wrong. Um, that's just a really weird question. Um, man, I, I don't know how to answer that, really. Um, I could be wrong about many things. Um, I typically research everything to the fullest before I believe it. I have things that are like floating like up in the air like do I believe it do I not I don't know yet because I haven't researched it but it's like on my to-do list to research and find out because there's some theories out there that I'm like 
that's interesting, but I need to do more research. Um, so I, I don't have, like, it's in, you know, that floating space where I, like, don't have an opinion on it yet. Um, but I don't make opinions until I have informed, um, information. Like, I don't, until I'm informed, until I get all the details I can to make an informed decision on whether or not I believe something or not. So, like, that's a setup question. Like, you can't ask that question to someone and have an answer that, like, if they answered that, if you said, what are you most likely wrong about? And they answered, you could easily change their mind about whatever they said because then they obviously, like, unless they believe it because someone told them and then they just believe it. Like, what are you most likely wrong about? I'm probably wrong about believing in this because so-and-so told me and I don't even know why I believe it. But that's that's a setup question. So, um, on to the next one. question is if you had a personal flag what would be on it um butterflies ninjas kittens unicorns the color purple that would be on my flag yeah lifestyle change have you been meaning to make for a while now I know the answer but it's like I'm torn okay I do I do really want to um, change my lifestyle over to vegan um, there's just some problems with that because one it's more expensive to eat everything all organic and etc etc uh, my kids aren't on board with that because they've had meat and they've had things that they like and they prefer those things. They're not really interested in vegetables and stuff. However, I love vegetables. I love fruit. So it's, it's not that hard to, um, you know, eat those types of things for me. But excluding meat is very difficult for me. Um, just I've been exposed to the taste of meat and it's good. Um, but my heart is there. Like, I get it. Why, um, you know, someone should change over to veganism. Um, and, you know, what's going on in the world with, you know, us being consumers and, um, the demand for meat and the way that the animals are treated. And it's horrible. It's absolutely horrible. I've seen documentaries and, and my heart is there. My heart is fully 100% permitted and there. Um, it's just that my taste buds aren't. So, like, my heart is, like, let's go veganism. And my taste buds are like, no, let's stay baconism. And I just can't, I'm, like, torn. Uh, I can't make a decision on the two. Um, I'm continuing my regular lifestyle. I eat less meat, um, just because it does plague me a little bit, like, and I Um, like bacon in a while, um, and I just have it like every day, 
want to know that um, that the animals are suffering and that we're doing it by you know buying all this meat and causing high demand and if everybody went vegan then the animals wouldn't be treated and um, breeded and um, just made to um, live such a terrible life um that in the future with technology that will be capable and someone's already done this they've grown a hamburger meat from a sample of um, a cow like they didn't grow cooked meat they like grew um cultured meat like same way with skin grafting they they were able to um have part of a cow Produced through um, science instead of like having a live animal I mean cutting it from it we can actually take one live animal and not kill it and reproduce um, lots lots of meat um, to the same level and texture and etc that is on the live animal um, but like cloning but just the meat um, I believe that that's actually a good solution. It sounds like terrible and some people are like, oh, it's gonna be like who wants to eat anything that was made from a petri dish? But it's, it's not like that. Like skin grafting and things like that. We have come to a technology, a place in technology where anything is possible. And I would rather eat meat that was cultured and I knew that an animal didn't have to suffer in order for me to obtain that meat. Um, and that there was like, you know, the cow that they got it from is like free range and is able to just like live a happy life and not get killed. I would feel great about that, especially uh, if with pigs too. And um, I would feel really great about that because of bacon and they were able to just make bacon as good as it is. Um, like they were able to produce the meat that makes bacon um, and culture it like that, then by all means, I would be like in heaven because I wouldn't have to just eat um, fruits and vegetables and like organic and stuff. But um, we haven't reached that point yet where it's on a mass produced level, but a man has done it and uh, he made a hamburger from it and uh, he said that the cost of the hamburger was somewhere between $3,000 and $5,000 because of the amount of money it took uh, for the research and stuff so like at this point it's unaffordable but as technology progresses and as you know this will become available to more and more places and research facilities I believe that it will start being a thing and then no animals will have to be harmed and um, people won't have to breed animals for the simple fact that I think it would at one point in the future maybe like a hundred years from now I'm not even saying soon but maybe a hundred years from now it'd be illegal to kill animals for for any reason because you won't need to because it'll be you could buy um, packaged meat um, and it'd be the same type of meat that you would if you killed an animal. You wouldn't have to kill animals. So that's um, something I'm looking forward to. But yes, before that ever even happens, I'm going to try to switch over to veganism. Um, my taste buds are like, no, you're not. And no, you're not. You're absolutely not. But I will. Um, 
it's a slow process though just because it's it takes a lot it's a lot of commitment it's a lot of willpower a lot of willpower um yeah so maybe in the next year or so maybe i will be vegan gonna be a cat um i'm not 100 sure maybe like a jungle cat like a lion or tiger or cheetah or even a domesticated cat because like i just have so many characteristics that are cat relatable um i don't trust easy so like with cats you know how they like they look at you and then they run off that's kind of how I am with my trust, you know, with people. I'm like, I'm watching you. Let me, let me see you slip up. Let me see you mess with my trust. And and it just and I get closer and closer and closer. But once I'm like at the level of closeness where I'm like right there, okay, I'll flop on your lap. Like I just, I'll just like sprawl out on your lap. Like that's it. I'm you're basically in for life in my my trust circle for life and um and there's just like a lot of things that I relate to a cat with I love cats first of all like I have a connection I think with cats like I love cats any cats um even wild cats any kind of cats and I have cat ears I buy cat ear headbands like wear them almost every day um as a matter of fact when I do my youtube channel I will be wearing cat ears just because that's a signature thing about me. Um, let's see what else. Um, I also uh, like to like mush up my my spot before I go to bed, like my pillow. I just like move it around so I'm comfortable. And um, cats like need you know things, and that I do that. Um, uh, let's see what else. I like my being like, like my hair being played with and like kind of like scratched like a cat not not scratched but like just like being played with and kind of messed with and stuff and um and then I like my back being rubbed these are all things like that not just anybody can do like like I said it takes a long time for me to just trust somebody but once you're in my trust circle like my best friends like rubbed my back and stuff and I'm like oh my god if I was a cat I'd be purring right now um and I just I observe people like cats do like you'll see you'll be doing something you look across the room and you see your cat watching you I, I'm watching people all the time and just learning about them and learning about behavior um I jump scare really easy like a cat so um like somebody could just come out behind me and say boo and I will jump like a cat um I am afraid of snakes like a cat um I am very very distracted by shiny objects like something could distract me extremely easily like I'm easily distracted but not just easily distracted I'm also easily distracted by shiny objects and um I'm playful 
go off to play a lot and um so i don't own a cat unfortunately at this moment i'm um, just because my living situation doesn't allow for that but my heart bleeds because i want a cat so bad i want more than one i want two actually i want an all black one and an all white one and um i But um, if my spirit animal were a mythological creature, then it would be a unicorn because it's so different and it's um, pure and magical and like I feel like I relate to a unicorn in like a spiritual way. Um, but like the rest of me, like all the physical stuff about me, I am a cat. strong opinion or belief do you have that is completely unimportant in the grand scheme of things are they serious right now like no opinion is unimportant at least not to me i mean what seriously okay well i guess some like one of my opinions is about is like in the grand scheme of things it doesn't matter but like the cash me outside girl like i just don't understand how people made her famous by just her like just a meme made her freaking famous um thank god she did something with that fame and she's actually like trying to put be an artist and put stuff out there she's still like a new and she's still like finding herself and finding who she is and finding her way Hopefully she grows up a lot over the years and she actually puts out real stuff, but at least she's making a start. She's making a name for herself that isn't the Cash Me Outside girl. Um, but it's not all positive either. Like she, her, song, her music is very immature, but I think that that just comes with age. And I think as she gets older, since she started in um, the industry, at a young age, at least she'll have that foot in the door so when she gets older and she gets more um, seasoned, that she'll actually be able to produce something that's worth listening to. Um, and I mean, one of her songs I like listen to on occasion is kind of a little bit catchy and stuff, but it's just like, I am another opinion that I have is like, I'm just not into, I like some rap and I actually love some, lots of rap different kinds but it's hard for me to find a song that I like because they're all about like new chain look at my money look at my hose like all this stuff that just is like first of all you didn't have all this money until you became a rapper so you're literally just saying like you know that you are making fun not making fun of people but like putting it in their face like even though you're my fans and you support me and you're the reason I'm up here and you're the reason I have this gold chain, look at me, I'm better than you, I'm smarter than you, I have all of this and nobody else does and they just like the competitiveness that they have with other rappers and like they're putting each other down and stuff, like new car and all of just it's all materialistic it's about sex, it's about drugs, it's about things that just like, it's very immature um, content. And and 
I found rap to be, there's lots of rap, there's lots of rappers out there that I actually really like and cling on to because I like that their content is more mature and more um, about making um, a name for themselves, but also like sending a message. So they, they're set apart for me from the like regular rap, like some of the stuff, like I'm, I'm not gonna, you know, stereotype but like most mumble rap is just crap and then like most like stuff that you hear on the radio is kind of crap but there are rappers out there that are some of them are a little mainstream and then some of them are really underground but they have a great message and I hope that um Danielle Bergoli which is the cash me outside girl I hope she eventually finds her way and actually is able to make real statements with her songs and um and you know she's young yet so we'll see But also, they're segmented, so you guys can just skip ahead if you don't want to listen to certain questions or you have um, more certain questions that interest you. And um, I think I'm going to do this from now on is segment my um, podcasts. So even if they're long, you don't have to listen to everything, just the parts that interest you. Um, so the next question is, what chance encounter changed your life forever? I don't believe in chance, I don't believe in luck, I don't believe in coincidences, so there isn't really any way to answer that question. So next question, if you could have a video of any one event in your life, what event would you choose? I would choose a time where um, I, when I was a kid, I had a crazy imagination, and I think I've mentioned this several times, but like, I would create entire worlds inside my room, different planets, different um, worlds, different universes, parallel universes sometimes, it was just craziness. Um, I was grounded a lot. Um, not that I really was a bad kid, because I really didn't do anything wrong. Like, it's stuff that most kids would just do, like my kids do, and I'm like, wow, I would have been grounded over that. But, like, stuff like forgetting to shut the door, um, just, I was a very forgetful kid, and I just, you know, there was a lot of things I had grounded for. So, um, I was in my room a lot, a lot, and I just, I just used my imagination. I escaped my isolation through my imagination, and it was fantastic. And if I could uh, have a video of one of those adventures that I went on and watching myself just completely um, change into a character or um, have an adventure in my room, like the floor was lava and I'd be hopping on my bed, like um, fighting dragons and unicorns and just like entire universes like happened in my room and I want a video of that I would like if I could go back 
videotape myself doing all that I would really enjoy that and I think my kids would too they'd be like mom wow so question is if you were forced to relive one 10 minute block of your life again and again for all eternity what 10 minutes of your life would you choose um this is a great getting to know yourself question because you're like pinpointing a specific time in your life that you were so happy in that you wouldn't mind reliving it for the rest of your life i think that's a really good get to know you question i think um for me, it would be a time when I was with all of my family at one time, um, maybe family reunion or Christmas, and everyone was together and enjoying each other's company. I would relive that forever, 10 minute block of that forever, um, just knowing that for the rest of my life, I was with my family, even though it would be like repeated over and over like, on a loop. And which would suck because nobody wants to live life on the loop. You want to make you know, choices and keep going. But if you had to choose or if I had to choose any time to loop my life and set it for like 10 minutes on a loop, it would be those moments. That moment when like people are opening their gifts and happy and hugging and everybody's together and loving each other. And that is my uh, answer to that question. questions to get to know someone better and the someone that we're trying to get to know better is ourselves so these are supposedly like the deeper questions um, we're gonna see this question is how do you hope you'll change as a person in the future um, that's a great question um, however I feel like a lot of these questions have alluded to this question so you guys probably already guess my answer but um, in the future I do hope that um, I'm not procrastinating anymore and that I have better time management um, that I um, am a, a better person I just try every day to be a better person and I hope in the future that I accomplish that that I like get closer and closer to um, just being the best person that I'm capable of being um, I think that another thing that I would hope changes is um, my, um, my, I have this weird, like, I hibernate thing, where, like, I stop life, and I just shut down, I get overwhelmed, and I shut down, and I hope to have a grasp on that, um, at some point in the future, um, I have a handle, like, kind of a semi-handle on it now, um, but I'd like to really have control over that, and I believe that I can, I believe that it's possible, um, just, you know, that is something that I want to have control over, um, and also my dermatomania, um, I hope that I can, um, have more control over that issue, and overall, I just want to be a better person in the future, and, um, I think that, Everybody in the world has room for improvement, and the only perfect person is Christ. 
and I just want to be um, a better version of myself every single day. So I hope that in the future, the changes that I make, like the little changes that I make on a daily basis, add up to being a big change um, in the future, and that I'm I'm a lot closer to, or even the best version of myself that I could possibly be. That's my goal, is each day to get to, uh, closer and closer to that level. Next question. What keeps you up at night? Oh my gosh. Um... My phone, my phone keeps me up at night and that is embarrassing to say because I would get the right amount of sleep that I'm supposed to get if I wasn't playing on my phone at night, but I do and I get caught into a YouTube hole or a Facebook hole or a Snapchat hole or a chat hole and I'm sitting there like, I should be sleeping right now. It's like one o'clock in the morning, but... I can't stop watching or listening or texting and it's like uh yeah it's like an addiction probably at night and um and like I kind of like oh well, I just have insomnia no if I put my phone up and away I would be able to go to sleep at a normal time um on the days that I'm completely unplugged um I call it my hibernation periods because I'm like I'm unplugged from technology like, I don't even watch tv on those days like, I just I'm living life like naturally like go outside and play with the kids and um those days are really happy days for me like we go places and stuff like that um and I do that even on days that I'm plugged in but I'm more aware and um I just feel like I'm I'm living life a little bit better on days that I'm unplugged and I can't completely unplug. There's just no way I can't give up my phone or technology. I can't. But um, I do think that it's important on those days that I unplug that I'm experiencing life and really experiencing it, not through a camera lens, not through um, Facebook, but I'm actually experiencing it. And um, I feel like on those days, because I don't um, actually have my phone on me for like two or three days at a time, um, it's like, sometimes I can't even find it after I've done like my fast from my phone. I can't even find my phone. I'm like, where the heck did I put it? So like, even sometimes it gets extended a couple more days because I can't find my phone. So, but then like for those days, I'm like fiending for it. I'm like, where could it freaking be? I need my phone. So... I'm not experiencing life to the fullest on those days because I'm just like panicked at trying to find it and I'm like, oh my god, it probably got stolen. But then it didn't because I know that whenever I do these fasts, like I put my phone somewhere and I know that I'm doing it. Like I'm conscious of doing it, but I just don't remember where I put it. And usually it's like somewhere I hide it from myself because I don't want to see it out of the corner of my eye and be like, oh, let me check Facebook. No, I like try to really truthfully just completely unplug and my phone dies during that time so there's no way to call it and hear it ring um from wherever it's at um and the um whole like gpsing my phone um it's in the house like it doesn't give you exact location in the house where it's at 
typically. So like kinda leads me in the direction this I know didn't like get taken out with garbage or something. But um but it gives you the last place before it died and sometimes I let it die before I put it up, so then that's bad because then I don't even know where it is. Um so those days I get great sleep, I feel great, I'm more energized, and so um I try to unplug as much as I can um without like affecting you know other things like that is how I connect to my family and friends and certain people so I can't give it up completely because then I would be disconnecting from them like there are family members of mine that only communicate through social media not even phone calls like so I can't even pick up like a dial phone and call this family member or these family members like they literally only have instagram um as their like main source and then they have other social medias that you could like possibly get a hold of them on but like instagram is like the main one like if i want to get a hold of her it's gonna be instagram or she, she doesn't answer the phone she just instagrams so um and then i have another one just snapchats that's it or like facebook like facebook messenger that's it and you can FaceTime with her, but only on Facebook Messenger. So, like, I can't completely disconnect from those people because they're close to me. Um, so, I just, I do what I can and I manage it how I can. Alright, the next question is, what's the most surprising self-realization you've had? Oh boy. Okay. So, this is a really good question. Like, what epiphanies have you had? What is the most um, surprising or most important epiphanies? <coughs> Excuse me. That you've had that um, affected you in a big way, like impacted you. And I'm going to say there's a few. Um, the self-realization that I could leave a situation, that I can do it on my own, that I am um, capable of doing anything that I set my mind to. And um, after being trapped for 15 years, like when I got to a point where I was like, homelessness is better than this. So I got out, but it wasn't, it wasn't to me, it wasn't a, um, I didn't feel strong. I didn't feel empowered. I just left because that's like the only choice that was left. Leaving. Um, but then after I left, the urge to go back uh, lingered and I fought it. And once I got rid of it, like once I squashed it and I was like, no, I am not going back because I can do this. I can do this on my own and I don't need anyone else. I can make it on my own. And when I had that realization that um, I didn't have to put up with what I was putting up with and that I, even though I had nothing, I literally had no car, no money, nothing, I had a job and that was my saving grace because I was able to um, stay close to my job um, where I just walked and I didn't have any transportation so like I took the bus if I needed to get anywhere but I was able to start with nothing except for a job and I got a promotion right away I just focused on me and um just like 
I, knowing that I could really do anything, I'm capable of doing anything that I want to do, that self-realization was really impactful for me because for a long time, I just thought like, oh, this is my life. (laughs) Like, I can't do anything about it. This is my life. Like, if I had money or if I had this. No, I didn't need any of that. I just needed the willpower and I needed the courage to stand up for myself and I needed the strength and I needed the, um, I needed the emotional support of myself, knowing that I can do it, just having that confidence, like, you can do it, and I listened to a lot of Tony Robbins after I left, that's actually one of the main reasons that I just, it's like one of the things that kept me from going back, like, I kept listening to him, 24 7 like I would just listen to him all day long if I had to when I came home from work before I went to work um it right before I went to bed I just put it on just like listen and listen and listen I felt so empowered because um all the stories that he had but then also the motivational words and I was I just came to that self-realization that like I am capable and not only am I capable but I'm worth it I am worth being treated well and treating myself well. I am worth being able to look in the mirror and love myself. I'm worth it. And so that is a extreme self-realization that I had that it just like changed my life, impacted my life in so many ways. Um, just changed my view on life. And um, then the other one, was that God is tangible and that I can reach out to him and talk to him and he's there for me at any given time. When I had that God experience, it was like, I know without a shadow of a doubt in my heart and in my soul that he's real. And the self-realization was the power that I had to connect to that, to my creator and to the power inside of me, to my spirit and, and having that that kind of empowerment as well spiritually was also a great self-realization for me. Okay, next question. What's the most illegal thing? <laughs> What's the most illegal thing you've ever done? Oh my god, really? I don't know if I want to put this out there. Um, alright, guys, guys and gals, I ran a red light, yeah, it's pretty bad, but like, I don't remember doing it, that's the crazy part, I have a picture, like, play-by-play of, like, and they also sent me a link to a video where I can watch it, um, in the mail, where, like, without a shadow of a doubt, that's my car and my license plate, so... It, like, most likely was me. But I also have a bad, um, memory. Like, maybe somebody was driving my car at that time and point, but I don't know. Um, I usually drive my car most of the time, but other people have driven my car. So, like, it's pro- the probability is that it was me. Um, but there's a possibility that it was someone else. So, I may or may not have broken the law by running a red light thank god there were no accidents thank god that like nothing 
um, really bad came of it, except for an in a huge ticket that I had to pay. Um, I learned my lesson. Like, if even if it wasn't me, I still like I'm always paying attention. Now I don't even like really push it on yellow lights. Like if it just turned yellow, I'll go past it and do my little like kiss my hand and then touch the ceiling thing. I don't know why it's like a weird quirk that I have. But if I know it's gonna turn red, like if it's been yellow for like, a little bit, I I automatically stop. And I know that like some people get mad that are behind me because they're like you could have made that and then I could have made that but I don't want to get another ticket and I definitely don't want to break the law and I don't want to cause an accident so that is my answer to that you guys I am a bad girl What lie do you tell most often? Oh my gosh, they're just like assuming. Um, I have lied in the past. I'm not gonna say that I haven't because that would be a lie. Um, but I don't lie now. Um, many reasons. One, because my moral compass is like north. Um, but also because I'm a terrible liar. Not only am I a terrible liar, but I'm also a terrible prankster because I can't lie. So, like, even if it's just a prank and it's, like, harmless or whatever, this would be me pranking someone. So, like, someone would be like, okay, it'd be a really cool prank if you, like, told somebody that their car was, like, towed or got stolen. So go tell them that. And this would be me telling them that. Um, your car was stolen? Just kidding, just kidding. It wasn't, it wasn't. Don't think that. It wasn't stolen. It was just going to be a prank. I'm sorry. That would be me doing the prank like it wouldn't work because before they even could react to their car being stolen i would have already told them and spoiled it and it just it doesn't work so when people do pranks they leave me out of it um i'm just terrible at that because i just don't want someone to believe something that's not true and it's it just eats at me for like even that half a second i'm like no i'm just kidding i can't do this and um so it's it's impossible for me to lie. However, I I'm not gonna say that I haven't um, omitted the truth because I have done that before, um, or like kind of told people what they wanted to hear, or just like agreed, um, and just for the sake of agreeing and not arguing. Um, if it's not that important to me to argue over, or if like for instance with my ex. Um, He's like kind of all about talking about himself a lot and how great he is and um, you know all these things that he accomplished and does and just it's it's a narcissistic thing I promise. Um, but uh, one of the things he talks about is how much he's changed and like um, he says certain things that I disagree with, but I'm just like yeah no I yeah I, I can see that and. It is a lie, because I don't see it, but the um, ultimate thing is my kids, like, as long as I get along with him, then my kids, I can see them, he's got 
four of my five kids, so um, I have my youngest with me at all times, and um, we have like an agreement. I see them a lot. I see them a lot, a lot. So it's not like I'm out of their life. It's just um, he has the power right now because our divorce is not final. Um, he has the power right now to be able to withhold me from the kids, which is sad because um, it shouldn't be like that. I feel like possession isn't isn't enough for someone to um, like have the rights, the main rights to the kids, but that's how it is right now. Um, it's like we have 50-50. Like if I had all the kids with me, it would be the same thing. I would have the power of him seeing them or not seeing them and stuff. And, like, um, it's whoever had the kids. And the main thing, the reason why he has them is because how controlling he was when he left. I couldn't take them with me. Um, there was nowhere for me to go with all of them. Um, I was, like, you know, staying on a couch for a couple months. So I couldn't bring five kids to somewhere that's, like, a one-bedroom apartment. I was sleeping on a couch because... I couldn't do that. Plus, they had all their friends there, and like, um, you know, it just it wasn't um, uprooting them like that. It wasn't good for them. They didn't want to do that to them in this situation. However, that has caused him to have a lot of power in the situation. Um, and the only way that I could have an emergency hearing is if the kids are in danger and they're not in danger. So um, that's just something that I have to deal with at the moment. But um, just the fact that I kind of just tell him what he wants to hear so that way and appease him so that way I can be around my kids it's worth it to me um but when it comes to like regularly like in my life or to my friends family even strangers I don't lie um I'm just terrible at it I start laughing or smiling or like it's as easy to tell that I'm lying as Pinocchio like like you could just read it all over me that I'm lying and if I got away with it which there are a few people that I could get away with it with that are naive enough to even not even pay attention to my laughing and like just trying not to give it away um there are only a couple people actually that wouldn't question it and that's mainly because they just have a deep trust in me um and believe everything that I say so and I don't like breaking that trust I don't like breaking trust at all so like a lie is breaking trust I don't like that and um when I have in the past lied to those people um immediately I just come right like three minutes don't even go by and I'm like I'm so sorry I lied and I feel like a horrible person and I just can't I can't do it anymore yes this happened or you know whatever it is and no matter if it's like incriminating me and getting I'm getting in trouble um it's just it's worth it for me to tell the truth and not lie because it doesn't work for me anyway um Next question is, what do you regret not doing? Easy. Easy peasy lemon squeezy. I have no regrets in my life. None. I have none. Um, I can sit there and say, like, I regret not leaving earlier, but then my kids wouldn't have been born. Um, I, I just don't have any regrets. 
was none. Every experience that I've had has built me up to the person that I am now, and I accept myself for who I am now, and I love myself for who I am now, and I'm working on that journey to self-love. It is a process. It's not 100% right now. I'm not in love with myself, um, but I am getting there, and I'm definitely happy with where I'm at. I wouldn't be where I'm at if it wasn't for all every single last one of those experiences so even the bad decisions they're not to me they're not mistakes if you learn from them they only become mistakes when you don't learn from them they only become bad really bad decisions uh, truly when you don't learn a lesson from them um when you learn from them they're lessons so um that is my answer to that question your life meaning? Oh, this is amazing question. Purpose, knowing that I'm here for a purpose. Of course, my kids, um, they're the reason that I breathe and that is God honest truth. I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for my kids. Um, just, I think, you know, my purpose with God and knowing that I have a purpose, um, that is one of the biggest reasons that um, I continue and I, I spread positivity and love and light and happiness and I try to um, impact as many people as I can. Um, that gives my life meaning, um, helping people and changing their lives and, um, you know, even if it's just um, smiling and, you know, having them smile back that's something that added to someone else's day and that gives my life meaning um so yeah i think that last question is really important because um that is one of the deepest questions that you can ask yourself like what what are you living for are you just going through the motions are you a robot just like living life and like you're working your nine to five coming home going to sleep repeat 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 like are you doing that or or does your life have meaning and what is the meaning um behind it why are you living each day like is there a purpose um that's a huge question that I think that everybody should answer for themselves. Um, I definitely know my answer is um, very important and integral to who I am as a person. Um, but let's get to the next question. I just thought I'd say that and mention that because um, out of all the questions, I think that is one of the most important questions. Um, the next question is, what do you most often look down on people for? What do you think other people look down on you for? So it's like a double question. So we're going to answer it. All right. What do I look down on people for? Arrogance. Um, I do. Like, I'm not judgmental most of the time. There are, like, a couple of things that I'm just like, why? I, I just... It's hard because I don't want to be judgmental, even to arrogant people. 
but um, it's just something in me that just like cringes when I'm around someone who's like so full of themselves. And deep down, I realize and I know that someone who's really truly arrogant is actually um, has issues that are far beyond you know what most of us actually have and um that wall around them is so built so high and so wide and so thick the reason why is because their heart is so fragile um and you don't get that from you know being around them but that's the truth that's the wall and that's why you can't see it so it's hard because when I'm around someone my initial reaction when they're arrogant is just like oh my god please god save me from this person but I also like part of me is like okay no you can't just give up giving up love light and happiness just to the people you want to give it to you gotta give it to everybody right you can't just be like okay i'm only gonna give it to the people who are sad or just to the people who are depressed or just to the people who are having a bad day no you gotta give it to the people who don't even think that they need it because they need it more than anybody else um when when you kind of like created this um like prejudice against against who you are delivering your love and light and happiness to, um, you become a negative source because at least to those people that you're being prejudiced against because now they feel rejection from you. They see you just smiling and being great with everybody else and then you're just like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to talk to you um that's hard for me that's one of my weaknesses and that's something that I'm gonna try to improve that's one of the things that I'm trying to improve daily is not being judgmental to people who um are arrogant or you know very um have very narcissistic qualities or even narcissists like I'm still um trying to spread love light and happiness love light and positivity not happiness I can't provide happiness for someone else um, love, light, and positivity to my ex because um, he needs it more than anybody. And even though he's the person that he is, it's because of all the traumatic experience that happened when he was younger. However, I'm not a psychologist and I can't help him, so being with him would have never worked because I can't change him. But I can impact his life from afar. I can be a friend and it's hard because of all the things that he's done uh, it does like cause some judgment like I'm like I roll my eyes sometimes at the things he says and stuff but I still try to be civil and I still try to spread happiness and or spread positivity and um and I know that in some way it makes a difference and then another thing that I look down on people for anybody who could hurt somebody intentionally especially a child that just to me or even animals that to me gets to my heart and it's like it's hard for me it's really hard for me not to look down on those people and not to judge them and I know that that's like a flaw because even Jesus wouldn't judge people in any way he would never judge but like that's hard because it just it breaks my heart to see you know, somebody bully somebody or hurt somebody intentionally, especially a child, and, um, and I, and I 
know that those people are broken in order to behave that way. I know that those people are broken and they need love and they need um, you know, positivity in their life. Um, whether they reject it or not, they need it. Um, but that's the hardest for me. Like, I, it's hard. And then um, people who are really, really negative and just are constant negative um, that suck the positivity out of my life. Um, and there are people who do that. Go to my um, podcast on the positivity account. That would be, um, you know, really explanatory of the concept. But people who take away a lot from my positivity account, um, I don't look down on them though. I just, I just don't go around them as much or around them. You know, um, some of them I completely delete out of my life, and I love them from afar, and I do pray for them and hope that they um, get better and and stuff. But so I don't really look down on those people. But the uh, the two that I do is the arrogant and the people who intentionally can hurt someone, um, especially children. So. I'm trying to live a judgment-free life, but um, it's it's difficult with those two things. Those are my weaknesses on judgments. Um, other stuff like I don't get like I have friends that are strippers. I have friends that are prostitutes. I have friends that are preachers. I have friends that are preachers' children, which uh, it, most people are very judgmental of, believe it or not, because of the things that they do. Um, not I'm not judgmental at all to any of those stereotypes or people at all um I believe that you know everybody has their faults and um some people you know end up on a life path because of the choices they've made and that um they need somebody in their life to help them um realize that they can actually turn that around and um become a better person and sometimes they feel like it's hopeless and they've gone too far in that direction that's just how their life is the rest of their life and um who am I to judge someone like that like I those are personal choices that they're making however they're not intentionally hurting someone so it's easier for me to um you know level with those people and really like empathize with those people but somebody who's intentionally hurting someone like I'm just like why how could you how could you why would you do that but then I know that the people who are the most hurt are the people who hurt people the most so I do get it I understand but um I still have judgments I still I still look down on those people and I'm trying to fix that so second part of that question I just decided to turn into another segment because it's a whole other question to me anyway in my opinion um what do you think other people look down on you for um so like I think that people are pretty much like a lot of people are judgmental a lot of people and I'm gonna I'm probably gonna get ridiculed for this but the people that I've found to be the most judgmental are people in the church and um I know the church is not a place of perfect people um it's a hospital for people who need God the most so I understand that all those people have their own insecurities and problems and that's why they're judgmental um 
and I forgot to also say that in the last um, in the last segment, other another thing that when people are judgmental, it's hard for me also. Like I I happen to find uh, something in me that cringes when people are judgmental, um, and that to me is also goes along with hurting people intentionally because when you judge someone, it's an intentional hurt. Um, but that specifically when someone judges someone I look down on the person who's judging because I'm like who are you to judge that person like you haven't lived their life um and then I do it with arrogant people and I do it with people who hurt people so I'm still guilty of that um so it's kind of like hypocritical I guess but um the thing that I think that I get judged most for or look down on most for is the fact that I am not a traditional Christian. I don't, um, I don't have any specific doctrine that I'm 100% in agreement with, um, and that I feel like I'm adding to the doctrine on a regular basis in my own doctrine, I guess. Um, not that I'm like creating a religion. I believe um, in Christianity, and I believe um, I'm Christian. I just think that God is adding to me daily things that um, aren't in like the Christian doctrine. Um, things like um, the things like that are in the Book of Enoch and in the Apocrypha, and um, and just like revealing truths that is not traditional Christian beliefs. Um, and and that's hard because um, to not have like a group that understands or believes the same thing. Like when I go to church, yes, I believe in the same God they do, um, but their perspective of him is skewed because they, they're they preaching like everyone who doesn't believe in God is going to hell. And just like, oh, those gay people, they're going to hell. Oh, can you believe they're trying to fight for their rights and just like stuff like that just like all those things just really stirs up something inside of me and I'm like I can't believe I'm surrounding myself with people like this you know um but those people are the most judgmental people that I've ever met in my entire freaking life like if a 15 year old ends up pregnant and has you know is having a baby or something those are the first people to ridicule somebody who needs God to like that's the hardest time in their life and they need God and they need support and they need love and where you think that you would get it you would think that you would get it from a Christian or a Christian group of people but you get the most ridicule and the most judgment from people in church most people in church there are some people in church that are amazing and and supportive and loving and just full of that wonderful positive spirit but most people in church just aren't and um get judged for not being like in line with traditional Christian ways. Um, I have gay friends and I and I have Christian people in my life that are like, um, yeah, you need to do something about that. And I'm like, what? Are you kidding me? Like, no, I'm not gonna defriend someone because they're uh, on their Facebook page they have a rainbow and they're proud to be gay. What the heck? 
I'm not, I, I don't care if you judge me for that. Judge me. Judge me. And you could even say that I'm, I'm probably gay. I don't care. But, and I'm not. But just that, you know, I get judged for that. And then another thing that I get judged for that I still am, like, I'm very ashamed of and embarrassed of is, like, my dermatillomania, which, um, as I said, is a skin picking disorder and, um, just, like, I pick my face and I get judged because people think that, like, because face picking is a thing that meth addicts do, um, a lot of people just automatically assume that it's because of drugs and it hurts my feelings. It really does. Um, because I'm not that kind of person. I hate drugs. They, my moral compass would steer me way clear of drugs. But, um, just hurts that they automatically assume that and think that I'm that type of person and um so those are like the things I get looked down on for you know and um the dermatillomania is something that I'm working on and I'm trying but if anybody did any real kind of research on it it's not something that has ever had a cure or has ever been cured um so it's like an OCD in your mind like people who have OCD and then they have to have, like, they have to touch the doorknob so many times or something like that. It's actually in line with that. It's in the same category. Um, and it's in the mental health disorder book of mental health disorders. Um, so it's something that is real that I'm trying to get under control and, and hopefully one day have enough control over that I don't have, like, really bad episodes. Um, like, I do sometimes. But I... I do have it somewhat under control where, like, most people can't really tell until I have a really bad episode. Um, then it's, like, for probably a good, like, four or five days, I just have to stay away from the public because otherwise I just go to the store or something. Even with makeup on, you can tell um, because it just gets really bad. And um, people will just, like, look at me when I know. Or even, I've even been asked like by people like in my own life and it just like what <laughs> why would you ask me that I know why you're asking me that but like why would you assume that like or um I've had a friend that came or not even a friend I'm not even say friend somebody that I didn't even know um came to my friend and was like listen um I think that your friend is on meth then my friend was like, no, she has dermatillomania, I know about it, and um, she's definitely not on drugs, because she's, like, definitely anti-drugs, and, um, this other person was like, no, like, I've known someone who's on meth, and she's definitely on meth, and, like, even though, you know, you don't think she is, and you haven't seen her do it, or be around it, um, they can do it in secret without us even knowing and they can be really secretive and watch out because they'll start she'll start stealing your stuff and like i couldn't believe that that person was telling my friend this stuff my friend came to me and told me immediately and was like i know that you're not and i know that you would never um steal from me and i know that you're not on drugs but i just wanted to tell you um what this other person said because you started reaching out to them as a friend and I just wanted to let you know that you know I don't think you can trust this person 
so, um, and she probably wouldn't have told me if it was just somebody that, um, fly by night, like, was just, like, walked up to her in the store and said something, um, but this person happened to be trying to come into our friend circle, and so I was like, okay, well, let me, you know, see what this person is about, and then that happened, and I was like, wow, I feel judged really, really harshly, um, and that was, like, during one of my really bad sessions, so, like, it was obvious that I had picked my face, it was obvious, um, right now it's actually pretty clear and fine, but, um, there are just times where I get, like, super, super stressed out, and, like, when I lost my keys, I almost caved and did it, like, really bad, but I just, what kept me from doing it, um, because I lost my keys the day before yesterday, what kept me from actually picking my face was, um, looking for the keys, like, I just kept looking and looking and looking and looking and looking, and then I was just so exhausted from looking, there was no way I would have had energy to pick my face, so, um, and I know, I know that sounds, like, disgusting and horrible and, like, absolutely repulsive to even talk about, but that is, like, something that I'm even usually ashamed to talk about, so I'm, like, kind of proud of myself that I'm actually saying it on a podcast where, like, other people are going to hear it, but, um, I, you know, I'm trying to fix that, but that is definitely something that people look down on me for, and, um, and then the fact that I'm just not a traditional Christian, I can't subscribe to that um, judgmental mentality. people look down on me for, which is really strange to me, is my upbeat positivity. Not everybody. Um, most people actually really, like, embrace it and stuff. But there are people who are like, you literally make me sick. I can't be around you. You're too positive. There's no way someone on this earth is that positive. I've been nicknamed Susie Sunshine and all these different, you know, nicknames, but they weren't positive, they were more like, um, oh my god, here comes Susie Sunshine, you're gonna tell us how great the day is, you know, and, um, I feel like those people are just hurting really deeply inside, um, and honestly, I never really felt truly hurt over those kind of comments, because I knew the place that I was coming from, was more of like um, somebody who is just really sad and can't find that happiness and then you've got somebody happy all the time around them and of course they're going to um, you know be angry at that because they can't find that happiness for themselves and I actually had a friend that started out that way she started out hating me and she was like uh, it was somebody that I worked with and she's like you're too positive I can't be around you. I can't work with you. Just stop. Just stop. And all the time. And I was like, I'm really sorry that you feel that way. Is there anything I can do to help you with what you're doing? And if she, like, if I was singing or something and she told me to stop singing, I would stop. Like, I was respectful. Um, But I didn't stop my positivity. As time went on, um, she 
she is definitely somebody who had like a wall up like majorly wall up so high so thick so wide it was just unbelievable um but as time went on she saw the consistency of it and she saw that it wasn't fake but at first she did she thought it was fake she's like you remind me of like those kids from Barney that are always like guess what we're gonna do today just like it's all fake just stop it just stop pretending cry for once or just be upset I'm like I'm a person I have feelings I do cry sometimes um I just don't let myself stay in negative space like if something happens it's sad of course I'm gonna grieve I'm not going to like if somebody important to me dies um I'm not gonna be like oh well the positive thing is that this person no longer you know um has to uh, work anymore or like you know like I would I'm not that that would be like horrible in my opinion um I do say things like well at least this person's in a better place and you know um and stuff like that but I still grieve their loss and I still miss them and I still have sadness for them being gone um but I don't stay in that negative place for very long um and I think that's important that we still experience those feelings we don't just like oh nope even though somebody died I'm just gonna be really positive today you can't do that because you're a human being and you have to experience those emotions but you don't have to stay there you don't have to like really place yourself in the that downward spiral of sadness you can just like absorb it and and release any um, negative energy that you do have inside of you because at death or loss or um something really tragic happening does fill you with negative emotions there's no way around it unless you are a narcissist or a sociopath you absolutely are going to feel something um but i just don't let it consume me um you can you know take your time with grieving and you can take your time with releasing those emotions but at least they're being released and not being held on to and marinated and if you marinate yourself in it you're just going to be miserable um so this person over a period of time started getting to know me and knowing what i was really about and um actually another person uh started attacking the positivity and it's really funny that this person was like excuse me shut your mouth and don't you say a word about ashley do you understand me i'll punch you in the face and i'm like whoa 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 there does not have to be any kind of physical confrontation on the account of me but um it was nice to see that that person changed their viewpoint on me was willing to defend me and that's the kind of person that she was too was like once you were in that inner circle she would like fight anybody for you she was like just savage um but then the other person slowly also became to get got to know me and realize it wasn't fake so sometimes like the first impression of my positivity is a little alarming for some people or overwhelming and that's because they're not used to it because this entire world is the the 
programming of everything that we see on media and even the news. You turn on the news, it's just all negative. There's like nothing positive. Every once in a while, you'll see something positive and it's only because they couldn't find anything negative. It's true. They'll they'll run a story um, about like a pet adoption only if they can't find anything really tragic or bad in the news to play. So then you get like, oh, somebody saved an animal from the shelter, and that that's the story, you know, or something that good happened. Um, but typically they just focus on the negative. The world focuses on the negative, and that's why we put our mind space in a negative place automatically. That's why our mind automatically goes to a negative space. So of course, when positivity is so strong around you, you're like, who turned on the light? Like, you've been living in darkness. Who turned on the light? Um, and it hurts your eyes. You know, like, when the light gets flipped on, you, you're just used to that darkness and you've acclimated yourself to that negativity of darkness. When someone flips on the light, of course it's going to hurt for a little bit. But then, as time goes on, you get to see that it's truly real. And um, so, um, that was a really long-winded answer. And it was also to add to the last question because... I didn't finish that question, but that's, um, something that I get looked down on for, so, um, the next question I'm just going to go right into in this segment, because I'm just going to create another segment just for this question, is, what bridges do you not regret burning? Um, wow, um, I don't have any bridges that I haven't burned that I regret not burning um anybody who's in my life that's negative and truly negative and takes away out of my positivity account so much that I can't you know um replace it they're out of my life like they are from afar I pray for them and from afar I'm like you know I hope and pray that this person finds the light but it's not me I'm not the light for them um but um that is because I, I myself am a human being, and um, if someone absorbs so much positivity out of me, I, I become negative, I become a negative source, and then everyone else around me who's normally affected by positivity is affected by negativity, and I don't want to be that, so I do have to get rid of those people, but I haven't, I burn, I would say that I don't burn bridges with those people, I just slowly... Uh, let them float away out of my life without them realizing that they've been excommunicated. Um, I don't like completely excommunicate them to where they can never contact me, but they don't really feel the need to because I don't play into their negativity or their drama. Um, for instance, I have a friend, or some people I have to block completely because they're persistent and they just won't stop. That happens, but I have a friend who. Um, is okay hold on a second I'll be right there one second one second okay um I have a friend that is um always like having dramatic things happen and just really just really really full of drama and negativity and um if it's not one thing 
it's another and I have tried to give my advice I've tried to give people myself to um, explain that you know it's the choices that you're making that are that these things are happening that these things are happening to you so um okay hold on a second okay okay um that was my daughter she's uh trying to talk to me so I'm gonna finish this segment and then go talk to her but um the um the friend just constantly constantly just was full of that drama and at first I did try like um giving advice and that person didn't follow that advice so then I was like okay well instead of talking to this person and just being sucked into drama um when they have a dramatic situation I'm like I just say like oh well I'll pray for you and that usually doesn't get a response back like that's it they just end it there instead of like me saying well this is what you should do and then they say well I tried that but I can't do that because of this and they just make excuses they just constantly keep you down this like this black hole of negativity and I can't I can't do that so I just um instead and it's because I'm an empath I invest my feelings into it too so um I don't I don't regret not burning bridges uh, because I've burned bridges or I've gotten rid of the people in my life that I don't need in my life left I had to take a break and talk to my daughter so um I'm glad that I only have four questions left because I can spend some more time with her um and then I'm done like after these four questions we're done and uh we can move on to the next part of our growth and um so that'll be tomorrow though I'm not going to spend any more time on it today um just because my daughter really needs me question is what are you most insecure about there definitely be uh, the dermatillomania the skin you know picking disorder um i think that's really it because i'm not insecure about my personality at all i am very outgoing in public and stuff like that um so it would just really be that personal problem that i have that uh, i really really want to completely get rid of OCD and things like that, like severe OCD, um, it would be a form of severe OCD. Um, there's other forms of it, like trichotillomania is when people pull out their hair. Um, some people bite their nails um, persistently, and it's the same, um, it's under the same umbrella. Um, but derma is skin, so that's what happens to me. And the sad thing is that my brain tells me that I'm fixing it, like when I pick up my face, it's not because I want it my brain tells me there's an inconsistency here and you need to fix it and then I'm like I keep going until I think that I've you know like picked up my face long enough to where I'm like okay it's flat again but it's oh, there's a hole there so it's not flat um it's it's not good it's not 
not good, but I keep it under control because it could be a lot worse. Like, there are some people, and sadly, they take, like, uh, scissors to their face and and all to try to fix it. That's the whole thing. Like, we never, the people with dermat never are intentionally trying to hurt ourselves. Um, I used to be a cutter, and that was really, 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 really difficult to um, get out of doing um, because that was how I experienced pain. Then I became a writer, and that's how I let out my pain and my darkness, and that, that's how I express it. Um, but before that, um, I couldn't conceive why I was in so much pain, or why I was feeling so much pain. Like I was constantly in pain. Um, I'd feel other people's pain so deeply, and at a young age, I just couldn't comprehend that. I couldn't comprehend that my heart is is breaking yet I'm not bleeding there's nothing wrong with me but I feel like I'm dying so I needed to um, like visualize a reason for pain um, so I could connect it to something real um, and that's what I did but over time I learned that's a very harmful way to um, express pain so I eventually got out of it um, it's been years since I've done it um, I got back into doing it when I was with my ex because of the amount of pain that I was in and I didn't feel that I had many ways to express it um, but but I didn't do it as often as I did when I was a teenager I did it almost every day um, just because I felt my own pain, but then I also felt other people's pain, and it was overwhelming. Always just feeling so many different emotions, and I couldn't, at that time, I didn't know what an empath was. I didn't know why um, I was feeling things so deeply. Um, I, I couldn't comprehend it, so I had to make sense of it in any way that I could, and that's how I did it. But I don't do that anymore. The derma, however, is like that was something that you do have control over. It's just urges and um, your way of coping, um, kind of like a drug addiction. That was like my addiction. Um, but this is actually something that I don't have complete control over, and you can't um, remove your hands or your face, you know, like from your body. Like I could remove all of the sharp objects out of my home. I knew that I wouldn't want to do it um, and you know, get myself sober from it. I guess you could say we're sober, but I to stop doing it, abstain from doing it, um, and it worked. Eventually, I I learned like by writing and doing different things that I could um, I could be free from it, and I was. But I don't think derma is something that I could ever be free from completely because it's an, it's a severe type of OCD that just had it since I was a little kid and I don't understand it uh, completely but I do remember when I was like four and five years old doing it not on my face though um, I had a spot on my ankle that I just kept on picking at and I remember um, when I was in, when I started school that um, I bled through my socks like on the ankle part and people were like uh, Ashley you're bleeding and I'm like I didn't, it was just something I didn't even, like, I didn't even realize I was doing this kind of thing. 
and now I know I'm doing it and it's mainly focused on my face because ever since like, I was a teenager it started on my face because of um, when you get acne and it never went away completely so I just um, that's where I have the most problems but that's what I'm ashamed of the most. be able to talk anybody else out of that I'd be like no you can do it you're amazing you're awesome um and I have gotten a lot better with it and I do self-affirmations and I do uh, meditate and I do try to um harness that positivity for myself um and and it's working but I do get in my own way sometimes and um I get overwhelmed sometimes and I just shut down and I just go through the motions barely like I make dinner you know and I clean the house and the things that I need to do like you know on a daily but other than that I'm like a zombie like I'm just like I'm not even here you know and those are really dark times um I haven't had one of those in a really long time but I do I get overwhelmed by things um even the mail can overwhelm me sometimes like I get so much mail and I'm like I just can't deal just, I just stick it somewhere and I'm like I can't even open it at all like I just can't and I shut down but not not over the mail like I don't shut down completely over the mail but I shut down to the mail like I don't open it I'm just like I stick it somewhere and I'm like I'm overwhelmed I can't I just shut down to the mail um but other things can overwhelm me to the point of anxiety and um those are things that are in my way and um I, I try facing the things that give me anxiety. Uh, driving gives me anxiety, but I do it because I need to, because it's part of life and I need to. Um, people can't get from point, point A to point B without a vehicle unless they walk. It would take a lot longer and I, just, I don't have time for all that. So um, I've, I'm overcoming those obstacles, but I get in my own way a lot. And I'm trying to recognize and be more aware of every time that I um, don't do something because I'm in my own way. Not because there's a real obstacle. Because when you make excuses, you're in your own way. Like, and I try to um, really just let myself understand and try to, to get myself to grasp the idea that there's really nothing in your way. 
it's just you in your head and you're analyzing things too much and you're trying to um, make sense of this and you're trying to do this but there's really nothing you can do you have to you know just step over the obstacles and just do it just do it it's like why my sister inspires me so much is because she just does it she doesn't even care she just does it her she's not even afraid of rejection i don't think she is because she's like literally the one person who would just be like i want that i'm gonna go ask them for it right i want to do this i'm gonna go do it so all right the next question is what's one thing you did that you really wish you could go back and undo again I have no regrets. I don't wish that I could undo anything, so bad question for me. Dun, da, da, dun, 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 dun. We made it to the last and final question. Thank you so much for bearing with me through all of this. Um, so this final question is, what are you afraid people see when they look at you? Now, I feel like I could take this question two ways. One is, what are you afraid people would like, assume and they what they think they see um, when they look at you? So that's going to be the first way I answer the question. And then the second way to answer the question would be, what are you afraid people will see that's really there when they look at you? So... Like, what are you afraid that you're not hiding well enough, you know? So the first one, what am I afraid people assume and they think they see um, when they look at me is, um, as I've said before with dermatomania, I'm afraid when I have, like, bad episodes, um, people will assume that I'm on meth or drugs. And um, even though I don't have, like, the erratic behavior or, you know, like, the... um, of it the picking the face for most people is like to them that's like the telltale sign and they're like yep meth addict and it's it's like why are you judging me um so that's the answer to that one and the answer to the second part which would be like what am i afraid that they'll actually see like inside my soul um the darkness that i have like i have some kind of need for darkness like I love super villains and um like ICP sometimes I listen to them and that's not positive because they're talking about killing people um and I read books on serial killers and just like I don't know like part of me it's just a small part of me but like it's like the part that I get out in my writing and the part that I express in my writing um but it there and it lives there and I feel like it's like this dark little monster that I love and I take care of and you know that I cherish but I'm afraid for it to um be let out into the world um not not just because it's dark but just because like I'm, I want to protect it too because it's part of me it's you know I can't have 
the good without the bad even though the good outweighs the darkness like the light outweighs the darkness there's still some there um i wouldn't kill anybody or you know there would never be any of that but it's just like the um intrigue of listening to the stories and um being kind of mesmerized like i for a period of time all i did was just read about serial killers and and um just like darkness dark things when I started writing poetry it was the darkest things that I've ever written and it was like just because the first time I ever really expressed myself through writing um it was like a purge of darkness you know purging out that darkness and um a lot of people didn't understand it because one of the poems that I wrote was about like cutting and it was about, um, like, dark, because I was transitioning from, like, cutting into writing, you know, so I, um, I knew that I wanted writing to be an outlet for me, but I was writing about the darkest things that I did, which was cutting, so, so that got into the wrong hands, and people thought that I was suicidal, and ended up, um, Baker Act didn't step over that, but, um, I think also that I have a little bit of craziness inside of me, like, things that, and that's part of the darkness, it's like a crazy, like, I have an alter ego, and it's like Harley Quinn-esque, um, and she's a little crazy, you know, and, like, I'm afraid people will see that, too, when they look at me, not necessarily look at me, but, because, like, no one could tell that just, like, from looking at me. But like seeing inside my soul so and that is the last question and i will have an outro in just a second okay so we have finished the questions we did it all right so um thank you so 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 much for joining me on this question journey so far like thank you for um joining me on this journey towards self-love and we're gonna get there we're gonna love ourselves and we're gonna be positive about ourselves and we're going to um really accept ourselves for who we are um i hope some of these questions have really got you um understanding yourself a little bit better the way that you are um you know you don't you didn't have to ask yourself all of these questions but i wanted to give you guys like a huge span of questions that you could ask you could go online and find other questions getting to know your questions um and if you don't think you're done if you still don't think you know enough about yourself to continue asking questions um I think that it's an ongoing process too. I think that we should continuously self-check ourselves and ask ourselves questions to find out where we're at because some of these answers may change in the future. You never know. Um, But I think that um, for now, we've gotten a really good uh, basis and foundation to um, make assessments on. And um, in the next segment, which will be tomorrow, um, we'll move on to the next step of in the journey to self-love and um hopefully you guys are on that journey with me and stay on that journey and you haven't gotten bored 
like I said, I'm trying to make improvements to my podcast to make it more um, easy listening and a little bit more um, accessible and um, and just a little bit easier for you guys to navigate and stuff like that. Um, so hopefully you guys bear with me and stay with me while I experiment with different stuff. Um, I really appreciate any support that I get. You guys can um, talk to me on the Anchor app. And if you want, I can put you on my uh, podcast and broadcast anything that you say um, with your permission on my podcast. And um, if you want a shout out or whatever, just let me know. And that's it. You guys have a wonderful day. Spread love, light, and positivity everywhere you go. You have an opportunity with every person that you meet and see to do that. Even if you're at the gas station, wherever you are, in your car, um, when you stop and, you know, get out. You have people around you that you can, in some way, you, oh, you don't even have to say anything. You could just smile and you're spreading positivity so um try the best that you can to just keep doing that and we're gonna get deeper into loving ourselves tomorrow so stay tuned and again thank you for subscribing if you have already subscribed if not please do and thank you so much for listening have a absolutely fantastic, amazing rest of your day. Bye!